0: Hello
1: and welcome to another edition of Irish Tech News Podcast with me, Gillian Gotzel. And today I'm delighted to in, uh, welcome as my guest, Stefan Rust, who is the ex-CEO of Bitcoin.com and the CEO and founder of Sonic Capital. Stefan, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Gillian. Always good to be back.
1: Oh, it's amazing. So you have a huge, super huge background. Tell the readers a little bit about your mobile background, your work in Asia and working with Roger Ver, please.
0: Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, where do I start? I mean, basically I was very lucky to land in China um, through circumstances that were very fortuitous, And this was at a time where China had one national operator, a monopoly that was also the regulator at the same time. And the other ministries had decided that that regulator was too powerful and wanted to have a counterbalance and influence the telecommunication market, but they had no funding and no resources. And I was introduced to somebody that then um, had the right kind of influence to allow us to bid on the opportunity to manage mobile networks in China across four cities. And so we struck a deal and we went out and raised funding, got partners, and built four mobile networks in four cities in China, which we then sold to China Unicom uh, back in 1999. I then, yeah, which was, an it was amazing, a huge coup. Huge coup, mm. huge run up. And it sort of reminds me a lot of the crypto days today, right? We were up against the regulator who, at the same time, was the operator of your largest competitor. And in a way, we're up against the regulator and in crypto who are also in charge of the money at the same time. And we're trying to disrupt that. So it has a lot of similarities. And it was, we would always say every year that we were going through in China in those days was seven years anywhere else in any other industry, which we also sort of seem to say in crypto. So every year is a dog year. But anyway, after that, I joined Sun Microsystems and grew the, together with the team, we grew the Java virtual machine Mm -hmm. footprint um, to a large business uh, market up until the iPhone was launched. We actually had an iPhone before running on Java um, and we had launched that. But due to circumstances from the financial crisis to the telecom meltdown, we then th- the company had decided to focus on the enterprise market. So I went independent, launched a lot of um, developer networks, took my relationships with me and the partnerships that I'd built up. And helped big tech companies build out relationships with developers, because we believe that the innovation is going to come from developers and they are the ones that understand how to build tools in a digital world, as well as build applications and exploit the functionalities and capabilities that these new technologies enable. So, um, and that's when, yeah, that's when I came across Bitcoin. And, I was going to
1: say, because you're saying the similarities between the two marketplaces and came, not only did you come across Bitcoin, you also ended up being CEO of Bitcoin.com. I mean, that's a pretty massive jump. Kudos. How, how did that come about?
0: Yeah, I met with Roger and, and we hit it off, I believed, You know, we were just there. We were amongst the big crowd and we were just chatting and I mean, I I knew who he was, and you know, we just hit it off, and um, we then agreed that you know he needed some help in scaling Bitcoin.com, and you know, I'm a true believer, and and you know, we were both in Bitcoin really early on, and then yeah, working alongside him for nearly two years, and um, really traveling the world, scaling the market, meeting new companies, doing business deals, and really launching bitcoin.com into what i believe is is a whole new ball game where we set up presence in 80 different cities we had a, a large community that had scaled we raised from 2 million to 12 million different wallets um and we launched an exchange we got permission for credit cards in 26 different countries around the world, et cetera, et cetera. We did partnerships with virtual games so you could buy with Bitcoin cash. You could pay your virtual games. And the whole value add was really cheap transactions, instant settlements, right? So you would get your money your, as fast as I could send it, and it would be frictionless. And number two is it would cost you next to nothing. So I could do a you know 50 cent transaction and it would still not cost me an arm and a leg. So it would still be worthwhile doing a micro transaction.
1: That's so cool. So you mentioned yeah. the exchange, yeah. um, that's kind of fun listing yeah. coins. Yeah. So what was your kind of criteria when you were listing and what was your best and what was your worst decision?
0: Um, I mean, the criteria, we, we were basically, I mean, the reason why we launched an exchange was we wanted to build a trading capability where you had BCH as the base pair, and then you could trade against a certain set of currencies with enough liquidity there for Bitcoin cash, which then ultimately meant that you wouldn't have to swap into another currency and then do your trade. Um, that was the original thought. And, you know, sort of the big mistake or success in hindsight, but the biggest criticism I got was when we decided to list hex.com. Richard Hart was a staunch Bitcoin advocate um, and he had then realized the potential of um, smart contracts and ERC-20. And when he had decided to build something out on um, using Ethereum, And moving away from Bitcoin, we thought that that or I thought that was a great opportunity to engage with him and talk to him and see what we could do to how to help him. And in in all fairness, he did approach uh, Bitcoin.com. In fact, he approached Roger. And then, you know, I got involved into that and Um, took the reins to get that listed. There was a lot of criticism, both internally, within our community, uh, within our members, within the leadership team of the exchange, and, and myself and Roger. And my whole philosophy was Bitcoin is censorship resistant. So why are we as a centralized organization in a decentralized community Deciding what should be censored and not get listed. Um, It's powerful. And so that that was the simple answer to it. I mean, obviously, I did do the research. We did need to communicate why we're listing it and beware of the benefits. Please do your own research. So we warned everybody about that. But in essence, what he was listing was a simple time deposit, and the criticism was. Who owns the key in the smart contract that has the funds locked up? And he did not disclose that. And I think a lot of people were upset about that. And so one thing led to the next. I mean, we are, you know, they created a spike coin. I saw Richard Hart's interview with uh, McGregor. What's his name? I can't remember his name. Um, Who does this famous series of what did Bitcoin do or something like that? And anyway, and and I just, I got so upset with that interview. It was just so irrational um, in terms of the arguments. There was no argument. It was just skip scam, scams, fuck you, fuck you. And it was really bad words all the time. I hope I can say that word on here. But um, anyway, and so I made a stupid comment in social media where I said, you know, I'm just going to list it in spite of that interview. And so they created the spite coin. And I that that took off like wildfire and I paid for that. So that was a big mistake. In hindsight now, you know, I, I of course, stuck to my guns and I put money into that token. Yeah. So I bought the HEX co- token and I didn't think much of it. I just left it on the Bitcoin.com exchange, didn't do anything with it um, and left it there. And only lately did I look back at it um okay maybe not lately maybe about six nine months ago and that thing has performed you know i'm ten thousand i mean i think i'm ten thousand percent up on where my original investment was
1: can you extract that fat money can you extract the value yeah
0: yeah no i've already i've sold half of it already and made all my money back and some and bought some whole bunch of other tokens with it and i've managed to offload that on These decentralized exchanges, thanks to, you know, I think I sold it on Uniswap,
1: and it's so cool. That's interesting. I actually have also
0: staked it, so you can stake it and earn a reward on 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 Hex. I think Hex.com backslash stake or whatever it is, and so I have whatever I have left. You know, I'm 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 happy with whatever I've got left, and so that's staking, earning reward, nice yield, nice APY. Um, and I'm not doing anything with it. And it's pure upside. And if I want to sell, which I do every six months, I take some out because I lock it in for six months. Installs. I don't know what the right word is. Installations, installations or
1: in installments.
0: installments. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. So I do it in six month installments. And so every six months I have my lockup comes up and then I decide to renew or not. And every time I take money out, offloaded on the exchange and I get my cash and I can then buy more Ethereum, I can buy Bitcoin, I can buy other altcoins um that are out there.
1: Wow. Interesting this that story you just told because it points out to the ability to make money from investing from from coins from staking, uh, earning yield. So it's not just the, the, you know, you're not a trader. You're not in and out the whole time. It's a six month batches. So you decided to take that notion, that idea of actually investing and turn it into impact investing. So why are you passionate about sustainability and the whole impact investment
0: sphere? Yeah, just on that note, I mean, you know, the the, the rewards I have gained and the profit I've made out of HEX has actually helped fund Sonic Capital, right? Wow. Um, and so, and, and investment anyway, you know, I think one of the elements that I realize is I'm not a day trader, right? Going in out in the morning and out in the evening, watching all those technical analyses and then deciding, oh, it's up 30, 30 cents today. I'm going to sell. I'm going to buy tomorrow because it's down a dollar. I just, um, I don't have the patience for that. I look at much more fundamental Um, development work that's happened? Has it got developers? Is there a community underlying it? Is the team uh, capable of closing business deals? Are those business deals contributing to the work and helping forward the project? Is the project got good underlying product fundamentals? And so I look at it from that perspective and I believe if you combine those six elements together, those weren't quite six, but six elements that I have in my philosophy then you can basically see that in the long run, these things will be successful. And so I then saw and noticed in the ESG environment that this was definitely not approach. It was very government led, grant oriented um, and foundation funded um, all at an expense and a cost versus a revenue generating Uh, reward-creating, scalable, technology-driven, innovative environment. And so how can we leverage the governance that blockchain provides, the tokenization and, and the rewards that blockchain provides and put that to work towards protecting the human citizens on the planet Earth? We don't need to protect Earth. We need to protect our livelihood on this planet. And I do not like walking around with masks. I will not like walking around on the planet in hazmat suits in five years time. And I do think the earth has some values before I go to Mars, right? I think I would love my children to see a nice blue ocean versus a plastic infused brown soil dusted, you know, oil um, infested um, ocean on a white, formerly known as white beach.
1: I think what's interesting, you've got a whole bunch of points there. Uh, Uh, One of them I like is that you're talking about, you know, saving the world, sustainability. It's not, it shouldn't be just a government led stuff because that's that's grants. That's like a false, false kind of economy. And it's great that governments get involved, but there is real value. There's real returns. There's real business to be done in saving the planet. I think one of your catchphrases is save the planet and earn money you know, and it's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, so so it's not a cost anymore. It's not this thing that's foisted upon us. I and mean, We we know we want to protect the earth, but let's do it in such a way that that actually makes sense and use our, you know, intelligence as opposed to just getting hands out and getting a grant.
0: So, um, or, or create a reputation, right? How do we reward people with reputation? So I don't need governments and laws and enforcement and police that are managed by a centralized entity that puts people in costumes and because they're a centralized entity with a flag outside their building, they can decide what is right and what's wrong. No, I believe that these people are acting in good. There's a reputation that they have that they are doing well. I should reward them. These are people that have a reputation for doing bad. Why should I give them any kind of benefit or any kind of my attention in terms of resources, money, you know, time, effort, blah blah blah, etc. And so that's that's my big belief that how do we build this out to a world like that?
1: So your new business, tell me about that. The crypto sphere and yeah. Sonic Capital. What's going on here? What are you doing?
0: So at the moment we launched a product that is available to institutional investors or family offices, that allows, um, yeah, investors to buy. Into blockchain projects that are focused on the climate or impact. That is, are they are climate related, they can be energy related, or they can be verifications associated with energy and climate, right? And so we've built a product that is available, Crypto Sphere. Um, you can do a Google search, you'll find it. It's uh, all the brochures up there. And basically you can only buy it with fiat. So you don't even need to enter into the crypto world. You just use your bank account, give your banker the ISIN number, and it will pop up on your balance sheet in your bank account. And so it never actually leaves your money. You have a certificate. It's a Swiss-issued ISIN number that allows you to uh, participate in blockchain and the decentralization and securitization of the blockchain which generates automatic rewards for providing that value add. And so, we take all of that headache off our investors' hands.
1: So who is your target audience then?
0: So it's really going to be people um, and institutions and maybe family offices that, are, that want to enter into blockchain and crypto, but don't necessarily know how, are a bit nervous how. And this is a great first step in terms of learning how to enter into this market and participate in the market and understand what are some of the good projects that are doing good and helping scale the protection of the human species on the planet.
1: If people want to find out about those products, where do they go to? You said Google crypt- uh,
0: Cryptosphere? Cryptosphere. So it's um, cryptos that's in C R Y P T O S P H E dot re
1: dot re okay yep. okay so uh, i have a wildfire quick
0: question for you which is a bit
1: wild is it not wildfire it's what wild. we're talking about the word heat waves yeah. wild mark wild card wild card question uh, oh, even God. i knew i had the term okay what do them actually what do you think of institutional money flowing into crypto good or bad
0: bad do
1: you want to give a reason
0: <laughs> <laughs> you asked the a question um no i think it's good and bad right i mean i think the good side is that there is more of an awareness and there's a larger commitment to the underlying cause bad in the sense of there a lot of the institutions are trying to take the existing model that we have in the existing financial world into the crypto because that's what they're used to. And we have to build exactly the same model that we had in that world for the crypto world. Um, So I don't like that because the whole point about crypto was to reduce the amount of middlemen that take a piece of the action every step of the way. And in a DeFi world, you don't need any of that. And because the, power, the institutions see this as a large opportunity. Crypto is now a $1.3 trillion industry. They want to be able to slow down this whole middleman because they haven't figured out what their role is in a DeFi world. And so they're trying to figure out what is my role in there? How do I play in there? And how do I invest my lobby dollars to ensure that my position in there is uh, retained?
1: And well that's said. what I don't
0: like about it.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It says, says, says the uh, neutral host, <laughs> showing <laughs> my bias here. And then finally, one, the last wild card question for you today is CBDC, central bank uh, digital coins or stable coins? What do you think of, of CBDCs?
0: Look, I, I choice is great. And so CBDCs is great. Um, It allows people to choose a different currency. If you like your CBDC current coin, fantastic. Use it, buy it, have a wallet for it. Um, But I think stable coins are fantastic and great. No matter if you have the centralized version or the decentralized version, the algorithmic version, doesn't matter. You have choice and allow for the consumer to have that choice and choose which currency they want to use. That's my belief, yeah.
1: Brilliant choice, I absolutely adore it. We've been chatting with Stefan Rust who is the ex CEO of Bitcoin.com and the CEO and founder of Sonic Capital. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you
0: for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore Tech News on Facebook.